Today's readings are three in number. From the book of Proverbs, chapter 25, verse 28. St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verses 12 to 13. And thirdly, Titus, chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. Proverbs 25, verse 28. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Romans 8, 12 to 13. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Titus 2, 11 to 14. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. It's really good to be back in church. And uh, good morning to everybody who's um, watching at home. It's great to have you with us as well. Well, we've been th- we're thinking about self-control um, this morning. As uh, that proverb um, says, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. If you just think about that image for a moment, in, in ancient um, times, the wall of a city was the main defense. Um, without that city wall, um, attack could easily um, happen. Um, it was a, your security. It was a, a, therefore, the city became a place where you could get on with life, with activity, and it became a place of well-being. Um, you may recall the story of Nehemiah. Uh, when he saw that the city wall of Jerusalem was in in ruins, he he wept over that because he understood the significance of the wall being in ruins. And so as we begin, I want to ask you a question. Do you um, understand the significance of self-control? Because it is your wall. It is our wall. It's the believer's wall of defense against the sinful nature that war against us inside each of us every day. Uh, And just as a wall is primarily about protection, therefore self-control is also about protection. If we're not self-controlled, we're exposed, aren't we, to the assaults of the evil one. We're not able to go on and live that godly activity within the walls, as it were. And we don't know that a well-being in our lives and the security that we have. And if that is us, we should perhaps like Nehemiah weep. And we need to pray, don't we, 
for the fruit of the Spirit. So let's just take a moment to pray, shall we? Father God, as we come to this subject of self-control, we pray that you'd fill us with your Spirit now, that you will teach us, and that you'll help us to live like Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. So we've reached the last in the series um, uh, entitled The Holy Spirit with the subtitle uh, Life and Fruit. But if I could indulge and have a sub-subtitle, are you allowed such things? A sub-subtitle? Maybe makes a mockery of titles, doesn't it? Um, If I had a subtitle, it would be Be Like Jesus. Be Like Jesus. The Spirit in us creates Christ-likeness. Uh, And over time, our character is shaped and formed to display Jesus' likeness. Uh, This year, um, we dubbed the whole year, really, um, a year of discipleship, to coincide with our vision to grow in discipleship. And it's all about um, living like Christ. The Spirit causes us to do this. And so we come to the last uh, of the fruit the self-control. Well, what is self-control? Let's think about that for a, for a moment. Um, Titus 2, verse 11 said, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. So primarily, it's about restraint, isn't it? It's about restraint. It's not uh, forced on us by some sort of political correctness or the company that we keep. It's not forced on us from the outside by social or cultural norms, is it? We, we, might, we might say, oh, in this setting or in this context, I better behave like this. It's not really like that. It's not forced on us because the thought police might get us. Nothing whatsoever. This is not control imposed from the outside by, I don't know, a political or a social or an ideological norms that we find in our our secular world. This is self-control that comes out from the inside by a work of the Spirit. Not social control. This is not about fitting in with the group or the, or the secular norms by what the group are doing or saying. This is about something within us that helps us to live godly lives. And in actual fact, what we will find, it will often be at odds to what the world says and what the agenda is around us. So we say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, even if everyone around of us is saying yes to it. That's hard, isn't it? But more positively, Paul, uh, in verse 12, does say that this salvation teaches us to say yes to self-control, to live upright and godly lives in this present age. And he says, while we wait, you notice that, for the blessed hope that appeared of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Just think about that while we wait. We had had a, a, an image of that, in, didn't we, earlier with the children and the sweet. But maybe I could um, give you an illustration like this. Imagine you're, 
you're back at school. That might be harder for some of you, I don't know. It might have been a long time ago. But imagine you're back at school and your teacher has, has to leave the room and says to you, no, I, I am coming back. Um, please carry on with what I've uh, told you to do and the instructions that I've given you. I'm coming back. Now, what is likely to happen in that classroom? Uh, well, some will, will muck about around you and it will get bigger and will get worse, won't it? But, but you, um, you admire the teacher. You, you've always honoured that teacher and they've been really good teacher. In fact, you, you've got a good relationship with that, that teacher and you really like them. What are you going to do? Uh, and... Um, Uh, As time goes on, it's been a really long time as you wait. Paper aeroplanes are flying around. um, Aerosols are being set alight. Um, Maybe that's just my school uh, that I was at. Um, And people will say, you know, why are you bothering to carry on do those things? Why are you bothering? Um, He's got coming back. Um, Why bother? Let's, Let's get on and do what we like. But you see, don't you, self-control helps you to say no because this teacher is different. This teacher, you have a relationship with, you want to honour them and you respect them and you, you, you want to do that, to be upright and, and, and diligent in this present age while you wait for the blessed hope, as it were, of the appearing of the Lord Jesus. So self-control, by and large, is a, is a restraint It teaches us to say no. Now, that Romans passage, Romans 8, said we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh. The flesh is the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature of the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you will put to death the misdeeds of the body and you will live. Um. The truth is, isn't it, that there are things in our lives that are, are, are not good and, and not upright. And as we grow as Christians, there's stuff inside us that, that needs to be put to death, doesn't there? There's lots of things that need to be put to death. Stuff to unlearn, stuff to do away with, stuff to, to let go of. Stuff that could easily breach the walls of your life. And simply destroy you. And Paul is really stark here. He's using the language of put to death it. Give no room. Be ruthless about it. Reject it. Um, And he's not saying um, hate ourselves. That's not what he's saying at all. He's not not saying this is about self-loathing. He's sort of saying, woe am I uh, for this. He's not giving us that kind of of mentality at all. This is simply to recognize, you know, that in each of us, in every single one, there's enough going on, isn't it, in our own hearts, that if we allow it to to germinate, and if we allow it to grow and to take root in our lives, it will knock us off the the Christian life. It will breach the walls, and it will not give us that place of living, and that place of stability, and that place of of self, um, a, a place of well-being. So you've got to put it to death. Don't let your walls be breached. We have to say no. 
Uh, and I don't know what the areas in your life might be. They'll be each different for us. Where is the wall weakest? Where's the weak bit? It might be in the things that you watch or the things that you play. It might be in the relationships that you keep and the relationships that you've developed. It might be in the way that you speak and the way that you act. I don't know. You'll have to, each of us, think for ourselves and ask the Holy Spirit to show us. So that's what it is. Well, how, how, does this, uh, how do we get this self-control? We come back to Titus 2.11, which gives us a little hint, and it's a little hint of Christmas, isn't it? It says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And when Paul says this, he's not saying God has kind of given us a lump of grace, you know, kind of like a amorphous thing, a lump of grace. Grace is not just a thing. It sort of suddenly appears out of nowhere, kind of formless. Grace isn't a thing. It's a person. It's a description of a person. A phrase used to talk about Jesus Christ. Verse 11. The grace of God has appeared in Jesus. It's Jesus who teaches us through the Spirit to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. It's Christ who is the grace of God. He's the gift. It's Christ who teaches us by the Spirit who lives in us. You see, a thing, a morphless, a morphless ether thing can't teach you, but a person can, can't they? We need self-control because by it we become like Jesus. And notice also that this grace, um, this Jesus, is the offer is offered to, to a salvation to, to all people. It's an offer to every single one of us. It's an offer, uh, and this kind of self-control, though this offer of, of grace has to be received, doesn't it, as well? Because it's a gift. Uh, we have to receive salvation. And I don't know where you are with, with Christ, whether you've received that salvation, but that's something each of us needs to do. And maybe you need to find out what salvation is and receive it. And you can do that, uh, talk to me or Chris, or come on the Just Looking course that will be happening in the new year. And the final thing here add about self-control it is um, self-control is required, isn't it, for... And it's required to, for all the other fruit of the Spirit. It's required to shape all the others. Um, so, for example, we, we need self-control, don't we, to be kind. Um, if you think about it, you know, if you've ever had an unkind thought about someone, I'm sure many of us have had those. Um, it requires self-control to, to think kindly, doesn't it? Because you, you might need to think, well, actually, maybe that person's had a difficult week. I, maybe that person's really struggling in many different ways, and I don't know about that, and I need to be kind. That's going to take self-control, not to, not to just let off at somebody. Uh, faithfulness in your job is going to require self-control. Maybe in your job, things are going badly, things are going wrong, the business is, is really difficult, the motivation is going, and laziness is setting in, and and you're going to need to be loyal, aren't you? Because you're paid to do that job. And, uh, and uh, you need to be truthful. And you're going to need self-control in order to be faithful. It might be in the area of love. 
struggling to love your neighbour, loving them enough to maybe invite them to the doorstep carol or the carol services. Because it's easy, isn't it, to to not bother, isn't it? It's it's easier not to bother, but love requires self-control to say, no, I'm not going to just sit on the sofa and and watch um, whatever. I'm actually going to get off my backside and I'm going to speak to my neighbours and say, hey, do you fancy doing this on Saturday? Wouldn't it be great? Let's have a go. Let's sing Silent Night together. Would you like to do that? Give it a go. So as we come to an end, um, and an end in this series, I want to say, um, in summary, a couple of things in general about the fruit of the Spirit. Um, And I want to frame it in two things to avoid. And the first, well, let me just read the list again to you. Galatians 5, this is, verse 22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, two things to avoid. Uh, And the first of those is, as you can see up on the screen, the list mentality. Who has a list mentality here? I, I know many of us like a list Many like a list, to write a list, especially at Christmas. We like a list. We love a list to work through, don't we? And we say, I'm really going to work on joy, this joy thing. And I've already ticked off love, and I've already ticked off peace. And in the new year, I'm going to start on goodness and kindness, because I'll have done joy, and I've ticked that one off. We like lists, don't we? We like to itemize things, and work through them. And there's lots of usefulness in life to, to lists. I'm not knocking lists in general. They're a good thing. But if you bring that kind of mentality to the fruit of the Spirit, um, you, you kind of know what's going to happen, don't you? Well, for the one thing, um, you're going to think that you've, you've done some of them. You're going to think that I've ticked them off. But the reality in the Christian life, um, this side of eternity, we're never going to reach that point when we're, we're done with them, are we? We're never going to really be able to say, I've cracked gentleness. I'm a gentle person. And of course, that links to the other spiritual danger because it's spiritual pride, isn't it? I'm a gentle person. Um, and, and sometimes we feel good about ourselves being um, kind or, or whatever. And, and that compensates for the other areas on the list where actually we're not so good at. I don't know what it might be. Maybe you're not faithful in, in, in talking about Jesus at work with our, with our friends. So that's a list mentality. But there's also, secondly, there's a, there's a menu mentality, isn't there? We read them like a menu. Uh, and perhaps you're, you're like me in a restaurant and you pick up the menu and you start muttering, don't you, to yourself, as you go along, oh, I don't like seafood. Oh, yuck. Oh, pasta, that's really boring, isn't it? And salad, well, don't even bother looking at those. And, uh, um, you know, ah, burgers and steaks, I'm sorted. Uh, sorry to all vegetarians. Uh, but that's, that's what I'm like. Uh, we're selective 
looking through the menu to see if the things that you like are there. Um, Hannah will tell you that I am so predictable at a restaurant. She almost knows instantly what I'm going to choose. Um, because I'm predictable. I'll go for the steak, the burgers, and the profiteroles if they're there. I won't even bother looking at anything else. It doesn't matter if I'm at the, you know, at Weatherspoons or whether I'm at uh, Copper Inc., what the place is called. It doesn't matter. Those are the kind of things I'm looking for. The fruit of the Spirit is not a menu. You don't select your favorites. You know, you can't come to it and say, well, I'm a jolly person and I'm going to stick with joy because that's what I like. Um, or, you know, you can make the other the mistake is that someone you see is very, very naturally relaxed and, and very naturally laid back. And, of course, you can mistake that, can't you, for somebody having the fruit of the spirit of peace in their lives. But they may not be the same thing. In fact, they're not the same thing. So it's not a menu that you can pick your favorites, kind of go for the easy ones, the things that you particularly like, the ones that you find to your taste. It's not a menu, and it's not a list. It's really important that we remember these things. And if you think about it, there's something fundamentally wrong with that approach, isn't there? Because if you think about it, both those kind of approaches are saying, this is up to me to cultivate uh, uh, these things. But Paul never says the fruit of the Spirit uh, is the fruit of my effort to love, joy, and peace. He, he never says that it's the fruit of my church going, or it's the fruit of my upbringing, or it's the fruit of my natural, uh, my natural kind of instincts. He doesn't say that. He says it's the fruit of the Spirit. You see the, the mistake that we can make. We think it is a product of me. Um, it's not. It never is. This is a spiritual thing. This is about inside us, the fruit of the Spirit. It's an integrated thing of somebody who is immersed in that relationship with the Lord Jesus, emerging in our character and in our, our life. This is Christ being formed in us. This is what Jesus looked like. This is what Jesus sounds like. And so when you speak or you go to your meeting or you see your family over over Christmas, um, this is what Jesus should look like. This is what he, he, how he behaved. And you should see it shining through us. It's really important for us to remember it's not possible in our own strength. This really isn't possible in our own strength. I want to end with a, um, a quote from William Temple, uh, who was an archbishop in the 1940s. And he illustrated this point um, from Shakespeare, in fact, from Shakespeare. Listen to this quote. Let, this, let it sink in. It is no good giving me a play like Hamlet or King Lear and telling me to write a play like that. Shakespeare could do it. I can't. And it's no good showing me the life like the life of Jesus and telling me to live like that. Jesus could do it. I can't. But if the genius of Shakespeare 
could come and live in me, then I could write plays like this. And if the Spirit of God could come into me, then I could live a life like his. Friends, God's purpose is to make us like Jesus. In God's way, to make you and I like Jesus is by filling us with the Spirit. Let's pray. God, our Father, we we thank you for this series on the Holy Spirit, the life and the fruit, and we pray that we would indeed be like Jesus. Pray that you would fill us with your Spirit, that we might display the fruit of the Spirit. Change us, we pray, from the inside out, so that we might live and serve you now and always. Amen.